You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your name, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at The Athletic Wisconsin. And joining me as always is my good friend and the founder of BrewHoop.com, Frank Men. And bringing you today's podcast is Himalaya. You can get Locked on Bucks on the brand new podcast app, Himalaya, as well as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Bucks. Frank, my friend, we have gotten through... Five days without basketball. Uh, we're gonna hop into the sixth day tomorrow, and when people listen to it, the they will actually have Bucks basketball on Wednesday night. How are you doing? Uh, well, you know, the last five days have felt kind of like most maze that I've been aware of as a Bucks fan with no basketball. So <laughs> glad we're gonna get back to uh, you know new potent championship contending Bucks basketball where we actually get to see them play games. So. A little anxious, you know, to get this uh, to get this series started. Um, I feel like I talk about it almost every 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 series now. That uh, game one makes me a little nervous because you're at home and you immediately have to hold serve. Um, but you know, like I've also said, if you can't enjoy it now, then you're just not going to enjoy <laughs> this, this watching the Bucks. So um, excited to kind of get it going and obviously uh, see how the Bucks uh, kind of hopefully raise their game uh, yet again. So I guess uh, today the goal is obviously to, you know, try to preview this series. And I've been trying to figure out exactly how to do that. But I guess what we'll do is, you know, try to go topic to topic and, and see if we can, we can find what we think is, is interesting about this series. And I guess any, anything like that is going to start with, Giannis or Kawhi so I guess let's start with Giannis uh how do you think the the Raptors go about trying to defend Giannis it's a good question I mean they could do kind of a number of different things I mean I think the only things that I would not expect would be I do not expect Marcus Hull to guard him I do not expect Kyle Lowry to guard him um I could see any of the other guys two through four guarding him with some regularity even Danny Green um I don't think that's what they'll do kind of to start the game but um you know kind of like thinking about it from the Raptors perspective uh you know it was mostly Siakam that defended Giannis and I think that kind of makes sense I mean obviously they're kind of defending each other so um I think especially with a guy like Giannis but also to some extent Siakam um you know if you're not cross-matching I think that helps you uh, make sure that that you're able to kind of track guys better in transition. Um, I think, you know, again, that's that's such a key to the Bucks and especially Giannis's game, obviously. Um, if you have kind of a more traditional matchup, then at least the guy guarding him isn't trying to, you know, find him from across the court or something like that when they're when he's getting a rebound and sprinting up in transition if he's not the guy de- defending him. So, um, you know, I expect Giannis to defend Siakam, and 
I would certainly expect Siakam to defend Giannis most of the time. But uh, I think there's also obviously a, a good argument for saying, well, um, you know, if you're uh, if you're the Raptors, I think using Kawhi to just sort of take away Chris Middleton is very appealing. And that's what generally they've, they've tried to do so far. And obviously likewise on the other end using Middleton, I think he's certainly your best option on Kawhi. Um, I think again, though, like, you know, you could try to do some different things. Danny Green, obviously historically has been a very good defender. You could put Danny Green on Chris Middleton. You could throw Kawhi onto Giannis at times, depending on matchups. Um, you know, I know the stat has been floating around that, that Giannis has only, I think, taken like, three shots hit two of them in like 31 possessions or something like that when he's been defended by Yan or by Kawhi um which I don't know how much there is to read into that I don't remember the Raptors our good friend Dean Maniot would say that is very noisy that yeah I I don't really are are very noisy yeah I don't really recall seeing them consciously try to put Kawhi on Giannis really much Mm -hmm. um I do remember that there was that one play where Giannis had him in the post and he just spun right around him and dunked, dunked past him. Um, again, you're not going to do that most of the time, but uh, I mean, there's some appeal certainly in, in trying to put Kawhi on Giannis, just given he's strong and, and even though he's not, you know, super tall, he's long and strong. Um, but again, like, I don't know. I, I think again, like Kawhi's best defense is more as sort of a perimeter wing stopper. And so on some level, um, you know, putting him on Giannis, I mean, he's going to have to, you're probably going to see Giannis in the post more. You're probably going to see Giannis um, getting kind of, kind of trying to put him near to the basket, putting him under the rim. And that's really not Kawhi's kind of strength either. It's really more going to be in like ball denial, which he probably could do pretty well. But anyway, I, I just, I just think again, we're probably going to see pretty straight up matchups. And then I think the big question is just how well and how much do the Raptors dedicate themselves to really kind of gang tackling Giannis with help defenders. And I think that's an area where certainly, you know, when the, Celtics defended Giannis well in game one and to a lesser extent for periods in game five. Um, I thought that's what they did well. They got back in transition well and they showed multiple bodies, um, you know, in the paint and they didn't let Giannis kind of get ahead of steam. And I think with Giannis, it's not really about rim protection so much as like paint deterrence and just putting bodies in his way. So he can't even kind of, you know, get to the rim and, so I, I'm, I would think if you're Nick Nurse, you, you would probably try to make that a point of emphasis um, and risk the Bucks maybe making some threes because Giannis finds open guys. Um, but I mean, it seems like the fundamental question with Giannis is, and, and defending him is always, you know, do you have a good enough defender that you just say, all right, we'll, we're content to let that guy kind of sink or swim on an island. And, you know, even if Giannis eats him up, we're going to take away Giannis as a playmaker. Which is kind of what Boston did during the season for long stretches, um, and what we saw with like what Philly do when they put on Embiid and things like that, or you know, do you do the more gang tackling approach and force Giannis to become a passer, playmaker, and make make the Bucks shooters beat you? So um, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I mean, I'm not really sure which maybe which direction it'll t- t- tend to go, um, but I could see them trying to throw more bodies at Giannis rather than just sort of challenging him to beat Siakam one on one. Because I mean, I think he can probably beat you know. You show him the same look enough, he'll he'll eventually beat it. That's why great players are great players. Um, but I I don't know. I, I would probably say look for look for those gang tackling, look for Kyle Lowry to throw his body into the paint to try to flop for charges, you know, stuff like that. But um, I don't know. That's that's my kind of my speculation. I think they do have a lot of bodies they can throw at him who could maybe have a chance for short periods. Um, 
Oji Nobi still out with appendicitis obviously hurts them, I think, given he is at least semi-competent defending Giannis, but um, I don't know. What do you think? To me, I think you hit on a bunch of the major stuff. I think they're really going to try to have Lowry and Gasol take a bunch of charges. And, you know, I think we we talked about it before the Celtics series. The Celtics obviously talked about it uh, before the Bucks celtics series where they were like, oh, you know, Giannis leads the league in charges and, and all this stuff. And, and a lot of the talk was charges, charges, charges. And then the Celtics didn't really try to take many charges like that. That just wasn't something that they did. And, you know, I think the opposite will probably happen with, with this Raptors team. I do think they will try to take a a bunch of charges. I think uh, Blake Murphy, my counterpart at the athletic Toronto in our preview mentioned that Lowry's already taken 18 offensive fouls, I believe in this, um, or excuse me, drawn 18 offensive fouls already in this postseason, which is the fifth most in the entirety of a postseason since 2001, I believe. So like he, he Lowry really does go at it and does really try uh, to take charges. So uh, I would guess, one, Giannis will be ready for it, but also that Lowry will in some ways recklessly try to take charges. Like, you know, he might take himself out of help position to really try to draw a foul on Giannis and make it difficult on him. And then, you know, you look at Marcus Saul someone who's always been talented at drawing charges as well. Um, so I, I think you'll see him do that. And overall, you're just going to see the Raptors try to go after that and, and hopefully get some charges on Giannis. Like, uh, I think when you're looking at the, the best ways to slow Giannis down, one of the best ways has always been get him in foul trouble and make him uncomfortable in that way. So um, that, w- that would not shock me in any way. And then... You know, with trying to stop Giannis, like I, I think we're going to see heavy doses of Siakam on him. Uh, I think he's the one that makes the most sense. Gasol doesn't really make much sense to me on him. I, I think Giannis is just too quick for him. And then Kyle Lowry doesn't make too much sense for him. I, I think he's just too big for Kyle Lowry. So, you know, I think it's going to be a whole lot of Siakam on Giannis trying to stay in front. And, you know, he's he's done it successfully at times. He's found some block shots as well uh, against Giannis. So I do think, you know, that will be kind of who they try against him. But I can't imagine, you know, you're going to see them, you're going to see the Raptors go full Embiid or full uh, Gobert, I guess it would be, as far as just having two guys, excuse me, just having one guy that uh, is going to try to cover Giannis and try to slow down Giannis and, you know, whatever else happens, happens. Like, I just don't think the, the Raptors have that personnel. I don't think Siakam is that guy. So I do think it is Siakam with a side of help. And that means, you know, charges from Lowry uh, in Gasol. And then it also means, you know, some block shot attempts at the rim from Serge Ibaka. He's, that's something that he's done with Giannis for a while now. And Giannis has dunked at him on, at, at times. Uh, obviously, you remember the Euro step when Ibaka was still on Oklahoma City and he threw it down on him years and years ago. Um, and obviously he's gotten him since then. It, I mean, even in the playoffs two years ago, he, he's gotten Ibaka. So uh, that's something that he can go through. But at the same time, I mean, I, I think that's that's how you have to go about trying to cover Giannis. It's all about layers. It's about multiple defenders. It's about trying to 
make him make his move earlier than the lane because if he if he makes his euro in the lane it's over like that that's a layup like he's too close to the basket he's too long for that like you have to try to push him out and we saw the Celtics really go after that hard I mean there was that one possession I think in game two Middleton gets an and one on the left wing and Horford straight up denied Giannis I don't think we'll see the the Raptors go quite that far but as you mentioned, like if Leonard is someone who, who gets Giannis at some point, that might be the tactic that he goes about, you know, trying to really deny Giannis the ball and, and keep it from even getting into his hands. So uh, I just think if you're, if you're trying to, to slow Giannis down, one, it's, it's close to impossible, but two, you just have to keep changing the looks. Like if you give him the same look, you know, more than – if, if if you get into a third game, like if you three straight games with that look, like Giannis is just going to tear it up. Like that's that's just how this goes. Uh, so you do have to try to vary it. You do have to try to give him different looks, and you do have to try to make it really difficult. So um, I think that's really interesting. Let's go to the other side. Kawhi Leonard, how do you expect the Bucks to cover him? Well, I think. You know, everyone agrees it's going to be Middleton as the main defender on him. Um, I think the interesting question is is who otherwise defends him um because i mean there's going to be times when Kawhi's on the floor and, and chris obviously isn't there's going to be switches you know there's going to be things that happen where chris is not going to just always be able to to bar to guard him um i think in the regular season chris got i believe um mike zavagno tr- uh, tweeted out it was like 64 percent of uh, Kawhi's 100 and i think 31 possessions or so were with middleton guarding him um, and again, noise in that surely, but I think that, you know, matches up with the eye test, right? The vast majority were, were with Chris Middleton defending him and generally Chris did, did pretty well on him as we talked about the other day. Um, I think the other guys that defended him the most were Sterling Brown and Malcolm Brogdon, actually. Um, I think, you know, both of those guys, uh, are strong, you know, relative to, um, kind of your average, you know, shooting guards, obviously both of them weigh 220, 230 plus, uh, pounds but um you know i don't i also don't think Kawhi's gonna have a problem kind of getting to you know those spots for you know 15 foot shots and being able to shoot right over them um so again it's kind of one of those things i think if he's willing to settle for those you're you're fine with it if he's bully balling towards the rim and getting you know short short bankers and um you know layups and things like that then obviously then yeah that that, that doesn't work so well um so i think i mean what we saw against philly i mean you know, the, the biggest, the only real flaw in Kawhi's game is, is he's not a, a playmaker to the same extent that really all the other, I'd say, elite players are at this point in the league. You know, you think about, um, you know, obviously Giannis and Harden and Curry and, you know, throw Dame Lillard and Durant and whatever. Like all those guys create for teammates at, a, I'd say, a much higher level or clearly better level than, than what Kawhi does. He's, you know, a guy who dwells on the ball just a little bit more, um, doesn't have necessarily that that kind of killer passing vision that, you know, those other guys have or those other guys have developed. Um, so I think, you know, in that light, you know, there's, there is appeal in showing him extra bodies, you know, and, and again, he's obviously a very different player from Kyrie, but in terms of like, you know, you're going to see Ka- Ka- Kawhi go in pick and rolls and try to get, you know, uh, if, if Brook Lopez is dropping, obviously try to get him backpedaling and um, get shots in his comfort zone that he can take with the defender trying to recover. You know, especially a guy like if Brogdon's covering him, I'd put Brogdon in a pick and roll every time, you know, just given the way Malcolm doesn't get over screens well. Um, 
So I think, again, a question is going to be like, how much, you know, obviously, do you switch like those kinds of pick and rolls? And then also, do you kind of try to bring help to, to try to make Kawhi's life a little bit difficult, maybe force him to be more of a playmaker? I mean, we saw Philly pretty aggressively like bring help early. Um, you know, they weren't waiting for him to get to the paint to, to try help out on him. And, um, you know, game seven, I mean, 41 shots and that incredible game winner, but he also took 39 shots, right, which is by far the most he's ever taken in a game. So um, there's obviously, I think, a question about how much does he trust the other guys on his team? How much do those other guys uh, want to take big shots as well? Which, I, I don't know, I wouldn't have flipped like a few months ago. Like, I mean, Kyle Lowry's obviously had issues in the playoffs at times, but um, I don't think of him as a guy who's afraid to, to take shots. You know, Gasol obviously is more of a passer playmaker, but we know he can hit threes. Um, you know, it, they have a lot of talent, right? They should be able to to be an effective scoring team to complement Kawhi, but um, certainly that Philly series we didn't seem as nearly as much of that. So, um, so yeah, I think I think again, like it's always diversity, right? I mean, we talked about that with Giannis. We talk about that also if you're trying to stop a guy like Kawhi. All you know, if these guys were were easy to to, if they if there was one way to stop them, then they would not be the great players they are. And so I think with Kawhi, it's probably a combination of Middleton having to you know, have a go at him and try to force him into tough shots one-on-one. And then, but also, you know, having guys be available to help if, if he does get creases, if he does get angles to, to get closer to the basket. So um, I think that's certainly where Gasol is important, you know, to the extent that I'm very curious to see just how much Brooke Lopez sags on pick and rolls involving Gasol and how much he plays off Gasol when they're matched up against each other. You know, how much respect does he have? for for him um or, or how much does he dare him to shoot or whatever because um you know i think that's he's up brooke is obviously he's the buck's best rim protector so um so i think that'll be that'll be interesting in varieties of spice of life and um well, one thing actually just to kind of tie out the previous point i was looking at the yeah, they have charges drawn stats and in the regular season lowry only took 23 charges gasol took 12 um nobody else was in double digits and and really all the guys who are going to defend Giannis one-on-one uh, Siakam, Ibaka, Kawhi, um, I mean, start with those guys, right? They combined to take one charge all season. So I think the interesting thing is like the guys who are going to be defending on us one-on-one, they are not floppers. So, I mean, they could start, right? But um, really it's the help guys who, you know, Lowry is very good at that as just sliding in and throwing his body in the way of, of a guy to take a charge. Um, but like Gasol, I don't know how much Marc Gasol is going to be able to like sneak up on Giannis to take a help charge, you know, especially if, if Brooke Lopez is, is pulling him out to the perimeter. Yep. So, um, I, so I actually think this, I mean, my, my gut is the, the Raptors are, are not really a team that, you know, the guys that, that are going to be having to defend Giannis are not really guys that, that really have shown any proclivity to sort of flop and take charges, which to me is, you know, a good sign. I, I think, you know, we've talked about Philly as well. They, those big guys that they have, especially Embiid they don't ever take charges like they're too proud basically and uh that kind of you know simmons as well like you can just pretty much dislodge those guys in the post like they're not going to flop over and we saw Giannis do that to simmons a number of times and you know he might be a baby but i guess he's not a flopper so uh thank you ben so um so anyway but yeah i I guess you know variety is a spice of life against Kawhi, and um we know he's going to take a ton of shots i think regardless of what you do he's going to be able to get shots off and i think it's just a matter of making sure that shot chart is one that um, is you know heavily slanted towards the mid range, and again, you hope that you can play the math game that you did uh, to a large extent against the Celtics, right? And and hopefully at the end of it, uh, Giannis is saying, "Did they win? No, they did not." <laughs> uh, I think one of the big things with 
really it's it's stars in general but you know specifically a, a guy like Kawhi is he wants to live at the rim and he wants to live at the free throw line and if you're the bucks like obviously those are two things that they've done incredibly well the entire season they they were the best at the rim the entire season and they were you know one of the best teams in the league at keeping their hands off as well after many years of you know not being particularly good at really either of those things so i think where you know this really comes down to is obviously you know you have to stay in front of Kawhi. you have to stay disciplined in front of Kawhi. you have to make sure that you know you're not giving up those easy points which also you know includes transition like you gotta get on transition you gotta build a wall in the same ways that many teams build a wall against Giannis. like you have to do all of those little things right and obviously the bucks have done that pretty well throughout the season but uh that is going to be really big again and uh i i liked you bringing up marcus Saul because i think that's really interesting in regards to brooke lopez where you know if he's as gun shy as he was against philadelphia I don't want to say the series is over, but I struggle to see how the Raptors really make the Bucks struggle defensively. Because if Brooke can stay close and slowly close out Marcus All, as opposed to you know really needing to close him out, or I guess Serge Ibaka has had some some huge games. Like if he's able to avoid that and be at the rim, like that makes it really tough on whoever is driving. For, for San Antonio, or excuse me, for uh, for Toronto, like you're gonna you're gonna be able to build things up. You're going to be able to, you know, really get in the way and and make it tough on Kawhi. And that to me is just is just huge. So I think Gasol does play a, a pretty big role in this, and we'll have to see exactly what he looks like. I know there's there's some Raptors fans that have kind of theorized that you know the reason why he wasn't taking shots as much as as he normally does against Philly was because his legs were tired from covering Embiid and you know that won't be the same uh here against the Bucks but you know I think the obvious counter to that is okay maybe he won't get beat up in the same way that he would covering Embiid but Brooke Lopez is going to stretch him out five feet further that he's going to have to chase Brooke Lopez all the way out to 32 feet and and that will tire him out in the same way and, and make him struggle offensively. So I think that's a big part of it. And then, like you said, with Kawhi, I, I think the Bucks have largely tried to just stay within their base defense and you know not send a bunch of extra help and you know not really try to blitz guys and get them get the ball out of their hands. But with Kawhi, I think you do have to wonder, does it make some sense? Because one, maybe the other Raptors aren't going to make a, a, a ton of uh, problems for you. And then, you know, just two, once, once that does happen, who are the, the playmakers that you're afraid of? And then three, if it's out of Kawhi hands, Kawhi's hands, that's probably just a good thing, period. Like it, it's just probably a good thing that he doesn't have the ball and, and someone else does. So, I think all of those questions kind of loom large, but in the end, it suggests to me that Middleton's going to have him every second that those two are on the floor. And I, I think if you're the Bucks, you you really have to do everything you can to mirror those minutes. 
that when Kawhi is on the floor, Middleton needs to be out there. That I, I think Kawhi is too big for Malcolm Brogdon. I think he might also be too big for Sterling Brown. Um, but, you know, maybe Sterling can handle it a little bit better with his physicality, with his MFR-ishness. Um, like, maybe he can handle a little bit better, but I do think, you know, the Bucks are in a tough spot in those minutes when Middleton is out on the floor with, with, with Leonard, and you got to find a way to limit those. And um, I think we'll kind of see how Bud does it because, obviously, Bud has, has shown – you know, a willingness to play Chris up to 38 minutes, uh, or I guess maybe he's 39 by the end of it in game three. But, you know, Nurse has shown a willingness to play quite many more minutes than that. And if you're the Bucks, you know, when when do you go to some more of uh, shorting the rotation, letting, you know, your main guys really stay out there for a while? But, you know, ultimately I do think Kawhi makes it, makes it very interesting for them uh for them defensively yeah i think the the thing i kind of struggle most with is just like you know you look at like the numbers from that philly series and it's just like you know Kawhi was was dynamite obviously you know even in the game he didn't shoot that well in game seven uh ends up making like obviously the well certainly the most memorable play of the playoffs obviously um, it's kind of weird. I mean, I think there, there's obviously a lot of luck when the ball bounces four times on the rim to go in from that angle. Um, yep. But uh, he's obviously been great, and what he can do defensively is obviously huge. Um, I think it, it's just it, it, I'm, I'm a little wary because I think if you look at, you know, and we can talk about our, our kind of predictions for the, for this series, but, you know, you just look at how these two teams have performed throughout the season, right? I mean, I think I know some people have said, well, the, the Raptors kind of had all these rest games for Kawhi and Lowry missed a bunch of games and, you know, they still finished very close to the Bucks in the standings. But I think that kind of um, overstates how close these teams were from a statistical standpoint. I mean, from a point differential standpoint, it really wasn't particularly close. The Raptors were actually worse this year than they were last year. Um, you know, they kind of were luckier than the Bucks in terms of record. Uh, and obviously the Bucks, you know, in the last couple weeks of the season, obviously also we're, we're not taking the, let's just say things as seriously. And, and we're dealing with some of their own injuries with, with some particular Brogdon and, and Miritich. But, um, you know, you look at kind of like, all right, well, how did these teams stack up during the regular season? Okay. Bucks are better. How are, how have these teams played in the playoffs? Well, Bucks better. How do these teams play head to head? Well, Bucks better. Right. I mean, I think it's easy to sort of look at it that way and, and say, you know, yeah, I mean, there, there's, there, there's not like some obvious, you know, kind of really fundamental rationale for saying that the Raptors are better um, unless you just like think Kawhi is so much more proven playoff wise and that he's going to be so much better than Giannis, which is also like, well, I mean, oh, uh, Kawhi's great. Um, but like, what has Giannis done to, you know, to to make anyone not confident in him, right? You, you can't really point to anything that Giannis has has, uh, has done or has happened to, to feel like Giannis can't can't kind of be be at least you know right there with 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 uh, Kawhi. So I, the thing that makes me kind of skeptical is it's like I just look at like all these like supporting guys and like in that last series, you know, Siakam averaged nineteen a game but shot poorly from the field in three. You know, Lowry thirteen points, five six assists, five boards, but you know, shot poorly from the three infield. Um, you know, Gasol, we talked about, just didn't shoot. Um, Danny Green was was fine shooting the ball. And then just a lot of other guys just, like, didn't really contribute. And the bench has been really bad. They've had to go to really short rotations. Um, and it's just a little strange because it's just like you just look up and down the roster and it's like there's any number of guys who, in a, in a given series, 
could could be really good you know could have three or four games where they play really well and do kind of like the pat Connaughton slash george hill type thing right where it's like oh that guy you know fred van vliet wow what a great series right i mean fred van vliet's been trash in the, in the playoffs like he's been useless right um but i think with phil or the toronto like the thing that i still worry about is you know again in, in a short series you you just don't know if maybe one of these guys finds a comfort zone or there's something you know he, the bucks play off him and, and focus on Kawhi and, and siakam and you know somebody else maybe gets gets going and, and has a, a few games where they they maybe kind of you know, can, can push the Raptors over the top if, if things get close. So I think that's the reason why I'm not trying to get too confident. I, I don't know. I feel like, um, I don't know. I feel like there's a, a I mean, I, it's justified to feel confident as a Bucks fan, I think, and to have the expectation that the Bucks should win this series. You have home court, you've been better in the playoffs, you know, why not? Um, but, you know, again, it's like kind of the thing, like in, in economics, people often will, you know, be talking about some, some phenomena or some effect, or you're talking about a certain thing, you'll say Ceteris Paribus, all other things being equal. And, you know, we can, I think it's understandable. We talk about, well, how do you stop Kawhi? How do they stop Giannis? And you focus on kind of these, the, the headline matchups, right? Well, I mean, the stat we saw today, I think, um, I know Jordan, I think Jordan Tresky had it in a story he wrote for behind the buck pass uh, that, that uh, Lowry did not score a point in 122 possessions defended by <laughs> Eric Bledsoe, which noisy or not is, is just an incredible stat. Um, you know, like, yeah, if if like all the Raptors continue to be trash, then the only thing that really does matter is like, can you stop Kawhi, <laughs> right? Um, but I'm I'm just very wary. I think the the Raptors have been too good for kind of in the big picture of this season, and we've seen obviously a number of guys, principally Siakam, um, have big games against the Bucks, even though he's you know nominally defended by Giannis a lot of the time. Um, you know, he's been able to find other matchups. He's been able to get loose in transition switches things like that he averaged 24 a game against the bucks this year so um i'm, I'm still very wary of like well who's going to be like the random guy from either of these teams that that steps up and just has like a really big impact on this series and you know the raptors sort of survived the last series without really having anybody do that other than kind of Kawhi and with a little bit of siakam and larry help um and so i think if you're the bucks you'd say if that all that continues you know all things being equal same same stuff continuing then then yeah, I mean, of course, uh, you'd feel great as a Bucks fan, but I don't know. I'm, I mean, am I being just like paranoid or or are there kind of other things you're looking at as far as the other guys where you feel like, you know, uh, I mean, I mean, just, you know, we, I mean, look at the, the past history between these two teams, right? I mean, we've seen Norm Powell play a big role when he went into the starting five two years ago in that Bucks series. Um, that was a really big change that really kind of sparked, sparked the Raptors. Norm Powell hasn't done anything in these playoffs. He had some moments late in, uh, late in the season. Um, but again, you just, it's just, you just never know, right. In a short series, what, what, who, what guys might step up. So I, I don't know what, what's your take. Are there guys that you kind of are especially looking at as being potential like X factors beyond obviously Kawhi or, or do you feel like, you know, none, none of these other guys really scare you for kind of some of the reasons we mentioned, man, that's really tough because you know, like you're at a spot with this Bucks team and, or I, I guess I shouldn't say you are like I, the, where I'm at is, you know this Bucks team is really damn good. Like the like it's just undeniable at this point. And you know like you you go up and down the roster and you know you kind of look at this stuff and like I, I think Siakam is an interesting one. I think you're going to see the Bucks largely put Giannis on him and have Giannis kind of cheat off him and stay off him and uh, 
do all of the things that Giannis does uh, defensively. And uh, I think in some ways, see if, if Siakam can be someone that can beat them. Um, and, you know, he's, he was fantastic in the second half of the season. And he obviously put up a career high, I believe it was at the moment, against the Bucks. I don't think it is anymore. But, you know, like he was he was fantastic against the Bucks. So that is a guy that that can kind of switch things up. And like Gasol, you know, maybe I'm not totally terrified of just him, but it's not like we've totally seen the Bucks take away pick and pop bigs. Like that is something that was still happening in the Celtics series. And again, they, they made those pick and pop bigs a little bit quieter and, you know, did a pretty nice job contesting Al Horford in the end. But again, uh, we've seen Serge Ibaka put up, I think 19 and 21 shots against the Bucks in games this year. And those were among his highest numbers for the entire season. And, you know, if, if he gets hot, okay, maybe, maybe that messes with the math. If, uh, if Marcus All actually does shoot some of those threes, maybe he messes it up. When you look at the starting lineup, the Bucks are going with Miritich at the moment. If Giannis is on Siakam, that means Miritich is on Danny Green. So, does Danny Green get hot? And does is is it too late in a you know like a game one or whatever where okay it happens in game one you make the adjustment in game two and by that point the Raptors are ready for the adjustment and have, have cooked up another one. So, you know, like I do think this Raptors team, the reason why they are the second best team in the Eastern conference and, and you know, why they were above the teams like the Sixers and why they were above teams like the Celtics was, you know, the fact that they kind of had their shit together. Like they just in, in, in a similar way to the bucks, like played within their system, knew what their system was executed on both sides of the basketball and you know just found a way to do things and that means you you do have to have talent that can do so so I, I do think there is you know at least something to be afraid of with these Raptors teams or with this Raptors team excuse me and you know you look at some of these Raptors players and you know I think there is some interesting stuff in there ultimately you know do I think it's enough no I don't uh but I think you'd be you'd be crazy not to say that there is at least something in them that should scare you. And then, you know, you look at the Bucks' performance in the last round, and I think you have to be looking at outliers, right, and be like, well, is George Hill going to play that well again? Is he ever going to play that well again in his career? Is, is Pat Connaughton ever going to have a series like the one that he did against the Celtics? And I think you have to ask both of those questions. And... Okay, if they don't, you know, obviously, you know, maybe some other bucks can pick it up, but who are those bucks and, and how does that all work? So I, I think there is, you know, real, there are real questions about, about this self or about this Raptors team and, you know, how you try to beat them. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I it's funny because, um, I think I, I felt like they were the they were probably my favorite coming into the season in the in the East, um, and obviously I think they 
you know, generally were the team. They, ironically, they were probably the team that that finished closest to expectations of any team in the East in a lot of ways, at least among the teams that kind of mattered. Right, Boston kind of fell short of, of, of expectations. Philly kind of fell short of expectations. The Buckeye obviously exceeded expectations, and, and Toronto was probably around where where they were supposed to be. But um, you know, with everything that's happened with the Lowry injuries, with uh, Kawhi's resting and things like that, it it has always felt like there was, you know, I mean, this idea of sort of the rock, the, the Raptors having kind of like two systems, like sort of like the Kawhi sort of more ISO uh, less ball moon oriented sort of style. And, and then maybe um, like the bit more, I don't know, progressive, interesting person. And then not to say that like Kawhi is a boring player to watch or something like that, but, um, but more like a, a more team oriented style that they have to play when, when Kawhi isn't, you know, in there doing, doing Kawhi things. So, um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I've, I've never felt like I could really get a, like, I don't know. I always sort of struggle to get a feel for the Raptors, you know, cause I mean, obviously the Bucks were had them kind of, kind of looking over your shoulder at them all season. And it felt like whenever you thought the Bucks gave them an opening to make up ground and, and maybe catch the Bucks, they would always like lose one or two games in a row that you thought maybe they might win. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been interesting cause I, I think as a, as a Bucks fan, I was concerned that they came, would come into the playoffs. Kawhi would get his minutes ramped up. You know, they finally have all these, everybody healthy and together. And okay, now it matters, right? So now you flip the switch. And obviously Kawhi has largely kind of, has flipped that switch. But, you know, as much as they had some some really dominant performances um, after that first loss against the Magic, um, you know, it, it, it was really an, a really up and down series for the Raptors against Philly. And I think you have to give certainly some credit to Philly for sure. Um, but you can't help, but I think look at a lot of those complimentary guys in particular and say, um, you know, there, there wasn't enough help. And so, uh, I think certainly the series is going to be a, a very big test. I think for, you know, for both teams, uh, sort of, obviously you start with the superstars, but then after that, you know, it's, it's always a, a big test to see how will the complimentary guys support those guys, you know, especially, um, you know, Giannis being a guy that that teams can try to collapse on and, and force his shooters to help him. Um, but Kawhi as well, obviously. I mean, there are, there are also things you can do to take away Kawhi somewhat. Um, and then I think obviously, was, you know, so I think the mic show is obviously going to be first and foremost on Giannis and Kawhi. Say then, you know, the, the the supporting cast and then and then also the coaches, right? I think um, just seeing how the coaches kind of play whatever chess games they're going to play, I think is, is going to be interesting. And um, I don't, I don't know. I, I would hope that, you know, there isn't something that Toronto can do that kind of shocks the Bucks system as much as what we saw in game one of, of the Boston series. Um, we'll see, right? There are obviously a lot of kind of differences in that first game one. It was, you know, a day game. By the way, nobody has any team ever said that they're really good at day games. Only teams are only ever bad at day games or they or they're just not <laughs> affected by them. But you well, it seems like you only hear people say yeah. that that, oh, it's a day game, like our team sucks at day games. But um but anyway, so can't blame that uh for for this game one. Can't blame on not having, you know, any competition before that. I mean I think Boston is still was a good test and got cut the got the bucks hopefully, you know, a little limbered up for a, for a series against a better team like Toronto. Um, so, you know, no real excuses, I think in game one, and I think it's just a matter of kind of going out and doing what, what you're capable of, uh, of doing. And I think that goes for, for both teams, but obviously for the bucks, I think 
they've been a bit more consistent showing it on the court, at least in that, that second round. So, um, so I don't know what's, should we, should we kind of make our, our predictions for the series? I, I know you made one uh, earlier today on the radio. So I, I assume you know what you're going to say, but are you, do you, you want to go first? Do you want to provide your, your prediction for the series? Sure. Um, I think, so I, I guess kind of what, how I've approached this series is that last series against the Celtics, that was, that was the team I thought the Bucks matched up worse against. Worst against uh, the team that you know I thought really gave the Bucks severe matchup problems. The team that you know had the best pick and pop big in left in the playoffs, and you know the the guard that could really kind of try to take advantage of them. And you know I thought, well, if I'm power ranking my outcomes, like you know I go. Bucks in seven because you know we haven't seen them in the playoffs. We haven't seen them respond to you know really taking a, a tough hit. We we haven't you know we, we don't have that that evidence in uh, so you know maybe Bucks in seven and then okay on the other side if the Bucks actually can handle this it's Bucks in five and then Celtics in six and you know I think I flipped the first two outcomes here because and again this is probably very dangerous to do. And like, I'm totally okay admitting it that, you know, I don't have a huge sample size, even if, if it's five games, that's not a huge sample size. If it's me saying they responded after losing game one handily to the Boston Celtics in game two, like that's not a large sample size. If it's me saying, you know, they won game three and then they were mature enough to also take game four and not just be happy with stealing one on the road, like Again, that's another one one game sample size. So, like, there's not a huge sample size here, but for me, at some point, I I actually have to give the Bucks credit. Like, I've I've kind of been trying to fight this the whole season, where you know you watch them win a bunch of games and you say, oh, you know, maybe just uh, that that's what you can do in the regular season. Maybe you can't do it in the postseason, and you know, then they destroy the Pistons, and it's like, well, you know, the Pistons are terrible, so it doesn't really mean anything. And then, you know, they go up against Celtics, and I think the desire with that Celtics team is to want to blame that Celtics team for being terrible and saying, oh, well, you know, they fell apart, and, you know, as soon as you you got game two, they, they just couldn't handle it anymore. And, I mean, uh, all of that makes me feel like it's it's just – you know, kind of it's excuses to not say this Bucks team is really good and they've been really good this whole year. And if they're going to show me that they're really good, maybe I should just believe them at some point. So that's why I switched over to Bucks and five. I think the Bucks have very few matchup disadvantages to, to really worry about in this series. I think they have some matchup advantages that they can take care of. And, you know, in the end, it, it just kind of feels like to me that they, they match up well against this Raptors team. They've been better than this Raptors team this season, and that, that should hold out in the playoffs. So uh, I say Bucks in five. How about you? I think I said Bucks in seven last series. Um, and again, I, I think I may have said, you know, the math says Bucks in five, but my paranoia says back off that a little bit, Bucks in seven. Um, I think Toronto's definitely. I mean, Toronto has been a better team all year than than Boston. Um, are they a 
demonstrably worse matchup than the Celtics were? It's a valid question. I could see arguments both ways. I mean, you know, I think I think the interesting thing is that Toronto, I think, could do more things. Like, I think they can play more ways that could be problematic. You know, I mean, they've got a superior kind of individual kind of top end talent and Kawhi clearly much better than Kyrie um, clearly has been much better offensively as well than Kyrie. And that's really kind of Kyrie's the thing he's supposed to do. Um, but I think it's interesting because I mean, obviously Toronto can play big and kind of play similarly to the Bucks if they wanted with Gasol. Um, but I, we talked about this after the trade deadline, but I mean, I, I feel I, I kind of always just had this feeling that where the Raptors might give the Bucks more problems is by playing smaller. And, you know, I think early in the season, there was hope among Toronto fans and observers that, you know, they would go to these Siakam at center lineups more and just try to like run you off the court with kind of smaller and more skilled players. Um, you know, not dissimilar from the ways that, that people talked about, you know, Giannis at center, right? Because Siakam is sort of that hobo Giannis type, type player. <laughs> he's, I guess he's probably up to like, you know, lower middle class Giannis at this point, given, <laughs> yes. given how much he's developed. Um, but, uh, but it, it just doesn't seem like that is as likely anymore. I mean, it, it seems like they are pretty, um, you know, they're going to play Gasol. Uh, and he does have some value in the sense that he can stretch the floor if he chooses to shoot against a guy like Lopez too. So they kind of are going to do similar things probably to each other. Um, but I think in general, like I think if they're playing Gasol, I just think that's a net win for the Bucks, like relative to getting funkier and playing weirder. And, you know, again, like Ibaka has, you know, he had, a, I think, a, a very good regular season, had really kind of strangely started to struggle from three, um, even though he was really good on long twos. Um, doesn't look like that has changed in the playoffs in terms of knocking out three. So he doesn't really seem to. I think he's lost confidence doing that. You know, funny to think back to the first game when Giannis and Kawhi were out. He shot four out of eleven, I believe, from three. I think. Um, I believe it was the same numbers that that Horford put up in that first matchup. Just you know, pick and pop all day. He had those wide open, and um, you know, that seemed like oh, that's what that's what Serge is going to do. But then over the course of the season, those matchups, he rolled a lot more because he kind of lost confidence shooting shooting threes. So. Um, so yeah, I, I think they can, they could play different ways and do different things. And, you know, especially if Ananobi was healthy, like they could throw out like just a bunch of like, you know, combo forward size dudes, right. That, that would be really interesting defensively as well as offensively, right. I mean, if you could roll out like Kawhi, Ananobi, Siakam and Danny Green, like that's really interesting, right. That's like, I, I don't know, like that, that might not work at all against the Bucks or it might work really well. Right. I mean, but I, I don't think that they're going in that direction, especially with Ananobi Hurd and with Gasol on the roster. So, um, so I'll, I'll say bucks in seven again, I think, you know, you just, you just look at the kind of the, the report cards on these teams and, you know, one team was better in the regular season has been better in the playoffs and, and beat them three out of four times. Um, so I think that's important, you know, and just the way the bucks also played in Boston, really showing no fear going into another team's gym. And ironically, the bucks are four and uh, on the road so far this season in the playoffs. Uh, so obviously I, I don't, I don't think the bucks are intimidated by the idea of having to go into Toronto. So, um, you know, I think these, these home games are going to be just really, really crucial for the bucks. I think if they win the first two, I mean, you know, the, the historically the mess as the top team, better team wins the first two at home they almost always go to win 
going to win series. So, um, so yeah, I, I think I'll say, I'll say bucks and seven. I'll, I'll maybe be a little risk averse, uh, conservative there. I think there's certainly scenarios where the Raptors could pull something off, especially if, you know, shooting just sort of like, you know, outlier shooting goes against the bucks and for the Raptors. But, um, I think it's, it's definitely has the opportunity to be a great series and, I hope it's not. I hope it's a freaking Bucks blowout. <laughs> it's not interesting. Um, but again, you know, uh, the bar is, is, again, I think the bar is, is going to be raised versus what we saw against the Celtics for sure. All right. Um, anything else that kind of stands out? Uh, I know I mentioned Miritich a little bit. Uh, Mike Boone over there and said Miritich is going to start game one. Um, I'm not 100% sure that that's how the Bucks would go for the entire series. I do think there's at least some chance, especially with the way the Raptors kind of match things up, where you could see Malcolm Brogdon get get moved into the starting lineup, be the adjustment that the Bucks make in in Game Two, and uh, kind of give the give their entire starting give their entire starting lineup, and then you know also their bench a new look and just kind of give give the Raptors a different look that you know might not work as easily I think Miritich is someone that you can attempt to take advantage of defensively uh he obviously held up pretty well in that Celtic series but that isn't always going to be the case with him so um I think that's something that's potentially interesting and I'm trying to think through you know a number of other things we talked about Chris Middleton's defense on Kawhi Leonard I think that'll be quite good but offensively I would guess he's going to get Kawhi for much of really much of the games that they play. So Middleton isn't going to be the guy that I think gets you 30 on a given night. Like it's probably going to be in the 14 to 20 range with, with some, uh, maybe a slight bump in his assists and he's going to look to play make more uh, than he, than he is going to shoot or kind of take over games. So I think that's another thing. And then, uh, you know, I think Connaughton and Hill, like how good are they this series is a, a very serious question because they were so good against the Celtics that, you know, uh, they were they were swinging games when they came in the game. And uh, I don't know if that'll be the case this time around. Is there anything else you are looking at, thinking of, or, or anything like that, Frank? I, I think uh, we, we talked a little bit. I mean, I made the argument why, you know, once Brogdon is close, just we might as well throw him into the starting five. So I thought it was interesting that, uh, you know, they announced it even a day early. I, by the way, I don't understand really why to, I mean, it kind of just speaks to the Bucks not really worrying about what the other team is going to do <laughs> on some level, um, that they just announced that a day in advance. I, I don't know. I always, but is not caring about playing the quote unquote game yeah. at all this playoffs. He's just like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. You know what we're going to well, do. Well, except when he, after game one of the Celtics series, said that we're not going to make any adjustments. <laughs> no so, adjustments. So that yeah. was obviously, yeah. but but in terms of like, you know, Brogdon in particular, um, you know, they kept saying he was out. They were very conservative and, you know, they're obviously still playing a conservative with him. So um, one thing uh, I just kind of was thinking of as you were uh, talking a bit about Middleton and, and Kawhi. I'm really curious to see how the Bucks, how the Bucks stagger those guys, because you know it, it's an interesting thing because Middleton has been so valuable this season offensively, probably more valuable when Giannis is off than when he's on. Um, you know, we've talked a bit about how he's been like a really um, great volume scorer with Giannis off the court, and how the Bucks have actually been better statistically, just in terms of net rating with 
Chris on and Giannis off than with both of them on at the same time. And again, that's a, you know, probably a largely a, you know, going in second unit type phenomenon. But, um, but I am curious because like the obvious thing would be say, well, you got to keep Middleton on the floor whenever Kawhi's on the floor. Um, the alternative would be, you know, if, if Bud got to the point where he was okay with other guys defending Kawhi, would he potentially look at, you know, is he okay with Chris playing minutes when Kawhi is off the court because it lets Chris maybe get into it more easily into some kind of rhythm because he's not having to go against, you know, the Terminator on the other side or whatever. Um, So, I mean, again, I would imagine you're probably going to still match Chris for Kawhi as much as you kind of, you can just for defensive purposes. Um, But again, like I think if you do that as well, I would, I would, let's, let's just say this. I would be very, just my intuition says I'd be nervous about playing a lot of minutes with Chris and no Giannis if Kawhi's out there. Right. And, and I think for that, for that reason in particular, like foul trouble for Giannis, we saw that in one of the games this year um, worries me. The Bucks did win that game, but it, it does make me nervous just because again, like Chris is going to have, I mean, if Chris scores efficiently, which I mean, he did in a, what was it? One or two of the games this year. I mean, that's tough. <laughs> that's about, the hardest matchup Chris is going to face um, in terms of uh, an individual defender. And so, um, you know, again, like you're, you're going to have to bank on, on Giannis and, and the other guys, you know, kind of picking up the slack and, you know, Chris having to sort of jump on that grenade of, of having me defended by Giannis. So I don't know, just, just, you know, again, anytime you have a lot of good players in the court, it's, it's always interesting. Um, I guess we'll see like Chris, Chris Giannis pick and rolls, I don't know if we've seen that really pay off in terms of a lot of like, I mean, it feels like Giannis has really not gotten much of anything going in terms of pick and roll finishes. Um, I'm curious how much, uh, if they try to go to that and, and do the Raptors just switch it, you know, do the Raptors just say, okay, you know, Pascal will take Chris and Kawhi will just switch on to Giannis. And if you want to try to post Giannis on Kawhi, you can just go ahead. Um, so that's going to be interesting. I think the strange thing there too has been on those pick and rolls, like, Giannis has finished those at such a high rate this entire season that in the first two rounds to see him, you know, get fouled and not make the shot has been really weird. Like they've gone to that and there's just been times where he just gets hacked and the ball goes flying or he doesn't even get a shot attempt up. And it's just like, yeah, that's, that's weird. Like it's, that's not normally how this goes. Normally this ends in a dunk. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I do think that is interesting. I know, um, I can't remember if it was Dean or if it was, uh, Buck's film room, one of them cut up some, uh, there was a highlight from one of the games of Chris getting Giannis a, a wide open dunk on, on a side pick and roll or maybe a side DHO together. So I, I would agree. I think we're going to see it. it. It'll be interesting to see how the Raptors try to kind of handle it. Yeah. And, and I think, um, you know, the, the inverted pick and roll, obviously something we see the Bucks run pretty regularly. Um, I think, you know, especially if, if it's interesting, right. Cause we've seen at times like, like Rozier did this a little bit against the Bucks um, where he like just tried to like pressure full court against um, yeah. the point guard when he was in, um, you know, I think Kawhi can pressure Chris. if Chris is trying to initiate offense and really make it really difficult to get into stuff that way. Um, so I, I think it's it's going to be interesting, you know, like if one of the safety valves the Bucks often have is just basically giving the ball to Giannis and letting him bring up ball up the court. And a lot of times the other team's big who's defending him, like isn't really even like thinking about trying to pressure him 
full court. So they just kind of let him bring it up without pressure. Um, and then obviously if you want to kind of initiate something, a lot of times then you are using uh, that inverted pick and roll with point guard setting the screen. And so, you know, Kyle Lowry, that, that'll be a chance for Kyle Lowry to try to take a charge maybe. Um, but yeah. that, that's obviously been something we've seen the Bucks do a lot of uh, in terms of, of trying to create, you know, actions that create switches and things like that for the Bucks. And obviously, um, you know, the, the, the obvious physical mismatch for, for the Raptors starters against the Bucks would be, you know, Lowry having to contend with Giannis kind of running at him with speed. And, you know, at that point, obviously Lowry can't do much besides flop. So anyway, I think we've dissected this to death. We might as well just get to watching this damn game on Wednesday night. I'm very into that. I would love to watch some basketball and then react to said basketball. Uh, Frank will be solo tomorrow night. Are you going to have friends over or what are you... Uh, I'm not sure if you have that planned out yet, but I will not be on the podcast tomorrow night. Frank will take care of it, and we'll see uh, kind of what we have there. And then that'll be, let's see, what's tomorrow, Wednesday, Thursday? So then Friday, uh, Frank and I can try to reconvene and bring something for you. But also it may just be me because Thursday night might be a travel night for Frank. So we'll get it all figured out, but uh, it should end up being quite a bit of fun and actual basketball is back it's been six off days i'm very happy to say that basketball is actually going to be back on your televisions or in person if you make your way out to fiserv form so exciting stuff happy to have basketball back remember to get the show every day subscribe to lockdown bucks on the new himalaya podcast app in an ever-expanding podcast world union himalaya with their personally curated playlist and new features every single day download himalaya at your app store and subscribe to lockdown bucks Remember, you can subscribe to the show on the new Himalaya podcast or on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Sorry to folks that have had problems with any of those in the last couple of days. Uh, we tend to, or literally what we do is we upload it to one place. It gets auto-filled to those places uh, that I just mentioned, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Um, and if things occur there, I know we've had people say that Some of these episodes have been just one minute long. My best advice is to delete and re-download said episode. Uh, But beyond that, I can't do a whole lot more for you other than to say, you know, maybe go to one of those other places. Maybe go to Google Podcasts or Spotify uh, or just use Himalaya, and that should get you taken care of as well. So remember all of that, and when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Bucks. For Frank, I'm Eric. This has been Locked on Bucks. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.